This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a writer, a voice actor, and many other nouns. It's Amanda Shuckman. Hello. Hello. <laughs> that was a great hello. That's one Thanks. of my great like uh, things about Obsessed is just waiting to see how people are going to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be like the special referendum at the end of like the season where you just go back and I'm obsessed with hellos and here's everybody I've ever had Oh on. my God, yeah. I could easily... Well, it would take a lot of work to cut together, but I could cut together all of the hellos through all of the episodes. I support it. And it would just be insanity. 100%. It would drive people literally mad. Uh, So tell people a little bit about you, about who you are and what you do, because you do lots of different things. I do. Um... Yeah, I've always I've always been a bit of a jack of all trades, which is biting me in the ass horrifically now in my mid thirties. Yeah, uh, where people are like, "So, what's your career?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I do fun stuff. Hire me." What a fun question. Um, uh, so I do some voiceover and I do uh, some writing. I have one, you know, published novel, which was nice, cool, and fun to do. And I'm working on two more unpublished novels, but that will hopefully <laughs> then join the published one. In that status, and I do a lot of uh, social media marketing and advertising, creative campaigns for brands and entertainment properties and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that's been the primary way that I've like paid the bills for the okay. last six years or so, um, which is kind of fun because it lets you, if you are a geek, it kind of gives you access to doing weird and fun stuff yeah. in certain spaces. Like I've gotten to work on the Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter, and I've gotten... I created by myself the xbox tumblr and ran it totally unsupervised for two years really whose mistake was that i couldn't (laughs) tell you um way back way back uh and then yeah so just sort of in and out of various fields as long as they touch on genre stuff okay yeah because you're genre pop culture we met at a convention at good old convergence in in minneapolis many many years ago Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. you did a lot of cosplay at convergence is that still a part of your life kind of well not really so aaron did a lot of cosplay and was good at cosplay and knew how to sew and stuff and i taught myself how to like hot glue gun things together (laughs) and usually we just sort of she would have a pile of stuff and i'd be like i'll wear this that's fun um, one year I did like my own legit ass cosplay, which was Jim Lee Rogue, the Rogue right. design from 91. Um, so since becoming like an adult, um, like I've been to every Comic-Con for the last 11 years. I've been to every WonderCon for the last 11 years, but working, um, I work with a, a niche boutique agency doing, um, PR and like talent liaison stuff and just yeah. helping out studios at the conventions. So I'm always there to work so we don't dress up. But the Renaissance Festival, <laughs> we dress up. Is that the, in and Halloween? I have four costumes every Halloween. Four costumes every, every Halloween. All right. So, so dressing up, being a part of immersive worlds, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Renaissance Fair mm-hmm. Festival. I get confused about the one here in Los Angeles because there's the Renaissance Festival back home in Minnesota. And then there's the, is there a difference between the Renaissance Fair and the Renaissance Pleasure Festival or whatever? No, the original Renaissance Pleasure Fair, which was like the first one in the States, I guess. Okay. It used to be up north and then they moved it down here over the years, like in the 70s. I don't know. Okay. But uh, 
that's all 100% factually accurate. But no, there's literally <laughs> no difference between a festival and a fair. It's just which organization is running it. Okay. Have you been to the one out here? I have not. Dude, so good. You have to come with All right. The, the word pleasure scares me. I know. It's really weird and off-putting. Yeah, like the first it's... billboard I saw was like uh, for with this dude who had this real like come hither mm-hmm. over the top mm-hmm. look and was like, doing, was... he was doing something to a rose and I made fun of it on Twitter and then Probably somebody's like, that's Maxwell. my friend. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, it's not him. It's the photo. But it was just like, I don't, yeah, I don't want that experience yeah, whatever no, you're advertising i don't listen, want that listen if it's good enough for vanessa hudgens <laughs> and joss whedon and angelina jolie and her children i'm thinking of like all the celebrities we have just randomly spotted at this <laughs> at the it's pleasure good enough fair. for you all Joseph. right fair enough fair enough all right well let's get into your actual obsession sure which you have sort of many not not connected to the <laughs> it is it is very ren fairy uh unicorns yeah this is so great because yeah. uh i Emailed you as I always do, and I asked for you for suggestions. I even threw out because I know you really like Rogue and a I couple other do. things and anime. So I was like, well, "What about that?" And you're like, mm, "Unicorns." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that kind of relates, I guess, in a way. Surprise. Yeah. So unicorns and a few specific unicorn movies that we'll get into, but mm-hmm. I want to start with just what to you is a unicorn. If somebody walked up to you and was like, "I don't know what a unicorn is," what would you tell them? Um. So. unicorn culture now is like a whole thing (laughs) that I despise okay Uh, because to me for me like the quintessential unicorn is uh, the creature that you can see in the unicorn tapestries at the cloisters in New York okay Um, like between the 14th and 16th century there are just unicorns out the ass like (laughs) unicorns are in every fucking tapestry every dude who's like marry my virginal daughter they like paint a unicorn into the picture with her like unicorns were the thing and they really distilled down this like perfect image of kind of like this weird small horse with like a little bit of a goat face and like cloven hooves with little like tufts and then a okay. lion tail and then a horn that is uh impractically long but like <laughs> still kind of works, still balances it out. It's not like okay. a narwhal horn, which is insane. Yeah. Um and I I was trying to think in advance of recording, I was like, what 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 did it? Like, what was the thing? Cause what tipped you into unicorn yeah, love? Yeah, because, like, so many girls love unicorns when you're little. It's a thing that happens. I feel like, yeah, at least when I was growing up, like, you were sort of pressured to. Almost. Like, they were everywhere. It was really aggressive. And, like, Lisa Frank had a whole unicorn theme. And there yeah. were, like, unicorns all over the show. But knowing m- me and my upbringing and specifically my dad, the odds are that it was actually the original tapestries that made me be like, that's pretty. <laughs> I like it. Because he was is a huge history buff and a total dork and about that stuff. Um, And probably he was trying to explain to me, like, the conflict between England and Scotland. And I was like, unicorn. And he was like, well, (laughs) that's a takeaway. So be it. Um, There's something, because, like, the the new cool unicorn culture thing, like unicorn frappuccinos and unicorn ice cream cones and right. unicorn hair and unicorn makeup. It's all like shimmery and pastels and like glitter and I hate it. I hate it so much. Not like on others, live your life, yeah. rainbow stripe it up. But that's it's not what a great. unicorn is to you. No. To me, what I love about unicorns is... And one of the reasons that like The Last Unicorn is probably my top three movies maybe of all time... The feeling that old pictures of unicorns evoke is weird, and I like it. Because, like, they're so delicate, and they're beautiful, but they're not 
easily beautiful. Like, they're weird. Yeah. Their proportions are strange. They have a really impressive weapon coming out of their head. <laughs> and they have their weird little goat faces. Yeah. Like, it's not like a pretty, pretty magical pony. It's like, it's kind of this weird old creature that just seems... It seems just plausible enough where you're like, I can see it in my head. Like, that could be a real thing. I can believe in that as a real thing. Right. Like, if a walrus is real, this yeah, thing could why be the too. Fuck? Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite. I don't want to like jump the gun if it's like, <laughs> if this is supposed to be for another section of the podcast down the road. But uh, one of my favorite things that for a while I wasn't sure if it was anachronistic or not, but it's actually legitimate. Marco Polo wrote like a whole journal entry during his travels about how fucking disappointing unicorns are because he found a rhinoceros and he was like, well, okay, I guess. Like the way he describes it, he's like, this is a huge bummer, but I found a unicorn today and it has feet like an elephant. So he felt he was like bear. trolled. He felt like yeah. he was rickrolled by he unicorns. Was like, unicorns are obviously real. Why would they not be? And yeah. then he found one and he was like, well, that was misleading. Like this is <laughs> this is not at all what I was brought, made to believe unicorns would be. Yeah. No virgins hanging out. Like there's yeah. nothing. What the fuck is this? And so it was a rhinoceros. Is, is the whole like you described the, these pictures on tapestries as being involved in betrothals and whatnot. Yeah. Do, what do you feel like or do you know was the intent? What, were they always meant to have this weird um, purity one-of-a-kind association, yeah. virginal thing that they have? It's this kind of weird thing where I'm, I'm on not enough of a scholar to be like, definitively, this was the year in which unicorns became yeah. associated with Christ our Lord. But <laughs> they did. And basically starting in the 13th century, you see it a lot where unicorns are directly linked to purity. Like, for some reason, they're almost always depicted as being male. Yeah. They're like, no notable female unicorns from antiquity, I guess. Um, and... Because they represent, like, this purity of spirit slash Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, only pure women can, like, hold them, interact with them, or touch them. And which is why then later in the mythology, virgins are used as bait to hunt unicorns. Right. Um, and then, you know, they have a hunt and they find the thing and they stab it with very long spears, like someone else we know. Uh, and they die in... It's very sad, okay. but it's so, yeah, it's weirdly becomes tied up weirdly to me. Cause I'm like, why? It's like a, it's a goat horse with a thing on its head. <laughs> when did this? Okay. Um, but, and then I have to remind myself, everything was about Jesus. Everything. Yeah. Everything in the world, everything literally, literally was about Jesus. Yeah. Until really recently. Yeah. Go uh, to any culture. art museum. Yeah, yeah. And you will. Although that's the other cool thing about unicorns. that they start kind of like tripping out a little bit like when you like because when you're little you're like unicorns cool and then you hit like your early teens like tween years and you just have that moment where you're like wait a minute there are japanese unicorns and chinese unicorns and there's like an ancient wax seal mold of a unicorn that was found in the indus valley like okay why are there unicorns in every culture so like every culture is like hey what if a horse had a horn yeah fucking why and you're like why yeah like why, though? Why did you? Yeah. Why? Is that what um, hooked you then? Because obviously you were attracted to this image as a kid. Yeah. Probably as a kid, you probably didn't have the full download. No, of not quite the breadth of knowledge. Messy Jesus virgin thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so was it when you discovered them in other cultures that they took on a different like power to you? Do you feel like you related to them in some way? No, I think that was just sort of like, it may probably just like cemented that it wasn't just like, oh, it's a thing that little girls like. Or like, oh, it's just a thing for little kids. It cemented that like, oh, no, this is like a weird 
cultural phenomenon yeah. that is global. And yeah. like, that's just cool. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. The way that, um, you know, uh, flood myths, like Noah myths, appear in other cultures. Yeah. It's like, oh, because you also probably experienced some weird drastic weather and like came up with a story <laughs> about it and like have a tradition, an oral tradition of explaining things and looking back at your past the yeah. way you understand it. And it's just one of those cool things that, like, oh, unicorns somehow fit into that. It is really weird that, like, all sorts of cultures would go, what if we could weaponize horses more? What if horses were, like, kind of small and had, like, a fucking sword sticking out of their head? That'd be cool. And you're like, that would be cool, everybody. Good call. Um, So uh, what do they mean to you now? I understand that you're rejecting this sort of the super Lisa Frank imposed, they're four girls, they're sparkly, sparkly, sparkly. Uh, what do they mean to you now? Why do you? Why do they resonate to you at this point? Just fascination, um, or do they I, mean something to you? I think at this point, it's really. Uh, I think at this point, it's mostly, um, like aesthetically, I find yeah. them to be so beautiful. Like I have, um, one of the actual like unicorn tapestries of reproduction, like hanging above my head, uh, above my bed in my room. Awesome. The one that's the single unicorn in its little like. It's like after they've captured him and he's just sitting in a little pen being like, oh, I know. With his sad, weird, slightly humanish goat face. And he has like this one little owie on his chest where like a little blood's coming down. But he's sitting on this like beautiful milfoy background of it's yeah. just like a green plane with all of those medieval style florals in it. It's just a beautiful yeah, image. Yeah, I mean, that image is like a whole different story to me than what I think of in unicorns. Because that's like a picture of a unique creature that isn't being understood and is being yeah. sort of set upon by the world and is coping with it yeah well it's just hanging you know he's doing <laughs> what he do but yeah like the tapestries themselves as works of art that we don't know a ton about really yeah. i just find to be extremely engaging and interesting and a hundred percent the last unicorn both the book and the movie were like so deeply impactful and formative on me that like there's just always going to be an instant thread of like recognition and connection and nostalgia okay. to that sort of more medieval view and treatment yeah. of the unicorn as a creature. Cool. Well, let's get into the movies because you talked about the last unicorn and then also Unico. So <laughs> let's talk about last unicorn. Mm. <laughs> okay. I made like a little tiny cheat sheet list. Cause again, when I was like, when did I fucking, why the unicorns? Yeah. Um, there were a couple of things that like came up where I was like, Oh Yeah. Was that before or after? But I feel like between the ages of two and five, a lot of shit happened with unicorns <laughs> in my life that like really. Okay. So for the first time ever, I was sent to daycare, kinder mm-hmm. care. I don't remember kinder care. Um, my mom says it was for a week. I'm pretty sure it was like 10 years. We only okay. lived there for three years, but it felt like fucking forever. And we were allowed to, you were allowed to like bring a toy to like cuddle during nap time. Yeah. So I brought a unicorn doll that my parents had given me and it was like kind of big and a little yellow and it was like flocked. So it was rubber, but it was soft. Okay. But they wouldn't let me cuddle it. You couldn't cuddle your soft rubber unicorn. it wasn't soft enough. It wasn't stuffed. Okay. So they were afraid that I would like poke my eye out on it, I guess. (laughs) And then like my parents would be in trouble. And I was like. So they took away basically the animal that is there for the child to feel safe and comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, for liability issues, which as an adult I get, but as a child, my revenge was to um, dump jello 
between the fence between them and the law office next door every day for a week. I just like (laughs) made a little jello pile because I was like, fuck you. Um, But so that and then there were kids books that were really scarring um, called Morgan Glory. Morgan Morning and Misty Morgan were the two that like I read the most. Okay. And it's by the guy Stephen. I'm blanking on his last name. But he basically wrote dozens of these books that are like mostly picture books that are supposed to teach kids lessons just like little lessons about stuff about life and the unicorn warns are horrifying because the first one um morgan morning is this beautiful little white colt because like also obsessed with horses obviously who isn't um this little white colt is like out with his mother and she's like, don't go over there and don't play in these places and don't go where I can't see you because something could happen. And he doesn't listen to her and he like, he like falls off a cliff and breaks his legs yeah. and she can't get to him to rescue him. So she's just to leave him there to die. And then out and what's of, the lesson? I guess listen to your parents or like, <laughs> fuck. And then this, uh, I think another unicorn comes up. I'm a little hazy on the details, but... <laughs> Someone comes up and is like, you don't have to die, but I'll, like, I'll rescue you, but then you have to live in the land of dreams and you can never go home again. Okay, and so the, you, this is the part of that unicorn of like, they're fabled, they're far away, they're inaccessible. Yeah, and the little horse is like, okay, I guess. So he's healed and he's turned into a beautiful, magnificent unicorn and his mom like watches it happen from like the top of the waterfall or whatever and then she has to just leave and then he has to just leave. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Um And that's something with unicorns that's kind of interesting is that built into their mythology is the idea of them going away. Mm -hmm. Like in addition to how rare they were always alleged to be, in almost every story that you can think of that revolves around a unicorn, really it's about them dying or them disappearing or them being lost. Yeah. Um, And maybe that has something to do with like, since they do represent innocence, like it's about what happens when you lose that or when that goes away. Okay. And if they're a representation of that yeah. for a lot of different people. That's an interesting idea to me of losing innocence because I think we do need to wrestle with that. I feel like so many unicorn stories are pitched more about how beautiful and rare they are, which then becomes a weird lesson. Because losing yeah. innocence, we all have to cope with. Yeah. Losing beauty or the lesson that like, you can't really have beauty. Yeah, you can't possess. <laughs> you can the look whatever. at it, and, and, but it will go away to mm-hmm. a faraway realm. And if you become beautiful, you will be alone. Like those are all <laughs> weird, weird messages. Yeah, and like you know, especially Western culture has a weird relationship with like a standard definition of beauty yeah. anyway. But unicorns in particular are—they're fucking unicorns. That's the whole like that's the whole point of a unicorn for most people is like they're an impossibly beautiful mythical creature that yeah. like is sparkly and shoots sunshine out of its butt and whatever. <laughs> and then like in more recent years, it's been subverted to, you know, you have like Charlie the unicorn and you have, which is still fucking amazing. Yeah. You have surprise murder unicorns, yeah. lots of places. Cause it's a fun subversion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have, yeah. Rainbows coming out of unicorns butts and like all kinds of like funny, weird shit happening. <laughs> um, Cause, because the concept of that, like the concept of a unicorn is ridiculous. So it's more fun to make it absurd. Yeah. But, at least for me, as a kid, to then sort of like circle back around to the movie question, the book The Last Unicorn and the film The Last Unicorn are major deconstructions. Okay. Have you ever read the book? I have not. So I read the Wikipedia entry of The Last Unicorn. That's my level of knowledge. Good, good, good. So basically, Peter S. Beagle was like, ugh, unicorns, and wrote this book about a unicorn. <laughs> um, and because of his 
take on it and the way that he addresses the material, it's a deconstruction. So like the movie is actually a phenomenal adaptation. So you have this weird book, right? You have this weird book that is about, it's written in a very like beautiful, more flowery than not like careful word choice. So it's not like over, it's not purple, it's not overly done, but it's like very like pretty and it's a fairy tale okay um about a unicorn who hears two hunters in her woods being like unicorns don't exist anymore i mean this i think one does here but like that's the last one and she's like what what and so she leaves and goes on this quest to be like where the fuck where is everybody um so this is news to her that she is the yeah last unicorn. she's like, she's like i must have one. some other unicorn friends yeah like okay. we're, we're everywhere <laughs> what the hell are you talking about we're solitary creatures like i don't get together with my girls for martinis <laughs> on saturday but like I'm not the only one. And she leaves and she finds out that she is. And she's like, well, no, because we don't die. Like, we can be killed. We can go into hiding. Yeah. But we don't just die. So where, what happened? And as she goes along, you encounter all of these uh, fantasy tropes and, like, fantasy staples. And each one is both... <sighs> the book is amazing because it uh, gives you such whiplash between, like, these moments of brutal startling earnestness and just like really beautiful insight yeah and then some really cheeky shit like it flips right around <laughs> uh one of my favorite moments is um so she teams up with Schmendrick the magician my all-time personal fave and they continue on their journey uh and they meet this group of like bandits in the woods and they're clearly a robin hood knockoff except they know who robin hood is and they talk about him and they talk <laughs> about the fact that like he wasn't a real person, but this other guy was, and the press that he got turned into this whole thing, and so that's what they're going to do. So, like, it, they everybody in the story is aware that they're in a story. Right, and it seems like there's a theme connected to them of being self-aware of, like, what does it mean yeah. that I'm the last unicorn? Well, I could be like Robin Hood of, like, uh, turning a lot of the fantasy tropes inward yeah. to what the characters want. Yeah, and it's, ugh, it's, ugh, it's just so good. Um, and then the movie manages to be completely accessible to children, have a Bitchin' fucking score by America uh, features the entire cast singing in their own voices, which is nuts because it's Alan Arkin and Mia Farrow and Jeff Bridges. Wow. Um, I know. Uh, the only person who like doesn't sing is um, Angela Lansbury, which of all the people not to. But she's in it and she's fucking great because she plays Mommy Fortuna, the scary ass sideshow witch okay. who captures the unicorn at one point. She's so good. Uh but so the movie does everything that the book does, but it adds music and voices and it makes it like, ooh, it just punches up that wistfulness yeah. roll hard and it hits deep and like that shit stays with you, especially when you see it when you're four. So you saw it when you were four? Yup. And does it end on, uh, this is spoilers for people who haven't spoilers seen The Last Unicorn. Spoilers if you haven't seen The Last Unicorn. Does it end on a happy note or kind did it of. scar you? What did it, what did it do to you? Well, that's the thing is... Even though Peter Spiegel was writing something that was supposed to sort of deconstruct and undermine the simplistic view of unicorns, it actually nails that sort of core idea of loss. Yeah. Because all through like sort of the the falling action and like the main conflict toward the end, everybody knows that they're in the middle of something big and they're just trying to get through it the best they can. So like... um. You know, a castle is destroyed and an evil king dies and a prince becomes a hero by sacrificing himself to save the unicorn. 
and she brings him back to life and, you know, he goes off with his friends to become a good and just king. Okay. So, like, that's good. But it's sad because they're done with each other. Like, their stories have done, oh, wow. done inter- inter- intersecting. So they're going off on their adventure. She's going back to her lilac wood. The king is going off to be a king. And there's a the big thing that happens is to protect her from this creature that has been making the unicorns disappear, Schmendrick channels real magic for the first time, but he can't control it. And it, this wild magic turns her into a human girl. Oh, wow. And she starts to go fucking insane because she went from being an immortal horse with a knife on her face to being (laughs) a girl. And she's like, I'm blind. I'm deaf. I can feel this body decaying as I walk. Like, this is fucking hell. Okay, so she immediately wrestles with mortality. It's the only thing she can focus on for, like, the rest of the movie, which is really dark and hard. And then finally it's, like, too much for her, so she allows herself to fall in love with this prince who's been doing everything in the book to get her attention. Giant slaying, dragon slaying, rescuing other damsels, like doing whatever he can to be a hero. And in the end, the heroic act for him is kind of letting her go, letting this idea of a romance go to do what is right and what is needed. And then he takes the fall for her and then she brings him back to life because she's a unicorn. And And for her, even her ending is bittersweet. She's like, she says... To her friends, she's like, I am happy. Like, there's so much joy in me now because all the unicorns are back. They'll okay. They all come back. <laughs> um, but now I'm not like any of them. Because she has experienced the horror of being human. Yeah. None of them have been human. None of them know what mortality is. And none of them have ever felt regret. And I do. I know what regret feels like. Okay, so let's get into you. Uh, this, is a, <laughs> this is a great uh, study of the movie. But how did this affect you? What lessons did you take away from it as a as a kid or growing up? Once not now, you obviously know it yeah. as a, a you know an adult who is experienced at parsing media. But as a kid, did it just make you feel like, oh no, this movie just told me I'm going to rot and die? I mean, that's a thing. It's sort of like. <laughs> no thank god I think that part like that little part went like a little over my head because I was like at, at well four, she's yeah. upset because she's a unicorn I get that um, <laughs> I'd be upset too but it didn't occur to me like oh she's upset because now she's like me and I'm gonna die like that wasn't <laughs> those dots didn't get connected um, probably for the best I mean yeah we haven't even gotten to the really fucked up shit this is like <laughs> the best example of uh, so we think as a kid the thing is, and I saw the movie years and years before I read the book, obviously, because I was very small. Um, but the feeling of loss and melancholy and nostalgia. Okay. Like, those aren't things that you necessarily know or can recognize or catalog yeah. as a little kid. Um, because they're very complicated emotions. Yeah. <laughs> and if anything, maybe I think watching that movie as much as I did, <laughs> as I watched it so much, um, maybe like <laughs> prematurely introduced those feelings in okay. me. Because like, you know, when I was four, I'd moved two or three times already. Okay. Um, but I was four. I didn't, you know, like miss my friends from when I was two it's you know what I mean but you had more I moved around a lot as a kid too and I think it does affect you because it gives you that sense of not necessarily of loss but even the possibility of it because something around you change things can go away and things can change yes definitely there's an awareness quickly and you won't have control over them nope 
And I feel like I was lucky because, you know, I loved and trusted my parents and they were wonderful parents and made a great relationship. So it was never scary to me. Like moving was just like, oh, we're doing this again. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, but at such a young age, watching characters go through that kind of like, I think a big thing that maybe stuck with me as a kid was that they all were making a choice to do this. Yeah. Like... A lot of Western media, a lot of Western media, especially for kids, is like somebody dies and it's very sad. A parent dies, yeah. you know, a best friend dies, some, a mentor of some kind dies, and that's when you sort of have to grow into this space, whatever the space is for the character in that story, and like you have to grow up and take charge. Western media is very, very into that idea of like our parents die and we replace them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but this was a bunch of people who went through this huge thing together. And then at the end, we're like, well, I'm going to choose to do this incredibly sad thing because it's the right thing to do. And because it's what happens next. It's just it's just what happens. next. OK. And there's like a sort of matter of factness to the way it all happens that like deeply horrified me as a child because I was like but they love each other but but they love each other why and like yeah no super fucked me up when I was like okay yeah so it's great did unicorns then was the takeaway that unicorns were about nobility but also loss I mean I think at that age it was still mostly about unicorns are like this very precious unique separate thing okay the fact that there's always like a wall between a unicorn and the rest of the world even though they are deeply deeply of the world yeah of the oldest magic in the world what really also the gets dealt with in the last unicorn is how if that's true then it means they cannot be a part of the world as it grows and progresses oh because the old world dies away and like uh, one of the big things that happens and it's funny and then immediately fucking (laughs) gut-wrenchingly sad is everybody thinks he's a horse. Like, she's walking around and people are, like, staring at her and be like, ooh, like, because she's beautiful. Yeah. But they think she's a horse. And she's, They just can't see her horn? They can't see the horn because they can't see magic. They can't see the old ways. They want to see magic. They yearn to experience magic. They can't. They're incapable. They're totally cut off. Wow. And Yeah. One of the really brutal things that happens is she gets captured by... Angela Lansbury's mom of Mama Fortuna. Um, and she casts a spell on her. So she has this weird, in the movie, it's so well animated, this like weird knife of a horn coming out of her head under her real one. Okay. And that's an illusion spell. It's illusion magic. And then everybody's like falling over themselves weeping because holy shit, it's a unicorn. Like it's okay. a unicorn. And she's just standing there like, oh my God. Like you, they had to be put under like a cheap parlor trick yeah so that there was a horn they could see because they can't see magic anymore yeah um yeah that i mean that's some complex stuff to, yeah to uh process and internalize of like people can't see the real me oh except for they can if it's kind of a lie that i'm yeah, putting on yeah in a way it was preparing <laughs> you for social media yeah, yeah very much so very much go back to that movie for all kinds of life lessons still do tell me just a little bit about unico oh, uh, i'll try uh, to make it a yeah. little bit yeah because i have some other questions i want to ask you besides unico as well so so give me the short version of unico if you can unico 
is a Sanrio property that oh. never really took off. Oh. Yeah, that like predates Bats Maroon and a bunch of the other guys. And Hello Kitty is what most people know Sanrio mm. for. Uh, Unico is a tiny white unicorn with pink hair. He's fucking adorable. <laughs> uh, I, of course, saw the dub growing up because that was at the local blockbuster. You know, they have that one weird mishmash animation section. Yeah. And that's where they had both The Last Unicorn and Unico in the Island of Magic. Uh, and... Dot and the Kangaroo and a bunch of other cartoons that scarred me as a kid. But Unico, the premise of Unico is he's so gosh darn cute that the gods are jealous of him and want him dead. So, <laughs> so you know, for kids. Yeah. So they uh, get the um, West Wind. They're like, take him to this cliff and leave him there to die. And she's like, okie dokie. <laughs> and she takes him away and she's like... Unico, I would never do that to you, Unico, because I love you so much, but I'll put you here where they'll never find you. Goodbye, Unico. Goodbye. And like leaves. And he's like, what? So the first movie is a different one that I didn't see until later in life because I didn't have it at my local blockbuster, um, where he befriends this like devil cat and they have an adventure and he gives away his horn and he gets it back. He turns into a Pegasus. It's a whole thing. It's a whole fucking thing. (laughs) But at the end of the movie... The West Wind comes back and she's like, your actions here have drawn the attention of the gods. They know that you're still alive and I have to take you away from here and also wipe your memory. Okie dokie. And she picks him up and leaves. Okay. Leaves his friend, leaves his whatever. So Unicorn the Island of Magic opens with the West Wind dumping him in a forest and being like, poor creature, destined to live your life in like total solitude. I'll erase your memories so you don't know the danger you're in. Goodbye, Unico. And she leaves and he's like, what? So he basically gets pulled into this big, crazy plot where um, an evil wizard is turning all the living creatures on the earth into what the dub calls living puppets, but which are very clearly visually just giant fucking stone slabs. It just, he's killing everybody and turning them into giant golems and walking them out to the fucking ocean and making them climb on top of each other and build his castle. That's what his jam is. He's the most high-octane nightmare fuel I have ever seen in my life. I thought I hallucinated this movie for like 15 years. Really? When I was, so you just rented it once and then you're like, no, no I burn it. I watched it obsessively as a kid, but it wasn't ours. It was a rental. Yeah. So when we moved away from that town. You moved away from Unico. We moved away from Unico. <laughs> my parents didn't know to like go okay. find me. So as an adult, I was like, I couldn't be that fucking crazy. And I'm not because it's real. <laughs> Uh, there's even like a BuzzFeed article now about yeah. how Unico is like one of the most traumatizing movies of all time because Unico, in addition to being just like a pure, sweet, good hearted little, little tiny BB unicorn yeah. who just wants to make everybody happy and friends and do the right thing, has this same thing of the way that Unico's story always ends is they lose him. He loses all his friends. He loses the community and the home that he's built and off they go someplace else. And his showdown with Karuku is like, fucking, oh my God, just, it defies description. When you I sh- say showdown, is Unico a fighter? He has to be. Yeah. This crazy bitch-ass magician is all fucking <laughs> turning people into rocks. And he's like, oh, well, I have to stop him. Um, so does Unico do, do like horn stabbing, hook yeah, stomping? Yeah, one moment of horn stab. Cool. Here's the thing, though. You have to remember he's a Sanrio character. Yeah. So he could fit in the space between us. His <laughs> head is this big. Okay. His horn is maybe the length of my hand, maybe. He's it's like only a, a few thing. apples tall. Yeah. He's just so little. Um, but he like he can fly. And he shoots <laughs> like a little shooting star and does a very you know traditional samurai swing, like crossover yeah. with the bad guy. And kind of stabs him, and all of Karuku's magic starts bleeding out. 
uh, along with his like hatred for humanity because spoiler alert, Karuka was a marionette that was abused and thrown away and washed up at the ends of the earth, which is a real place that you go to and is horrifying. Okay. Uh, but he washed up in the only patch of sunlight in the whole fucking place. So like his, he became magical and he got magical powers from this beam of sunlight and he was just powered by his pure hatred and loathing for humanity. Okay. So he set out to destroy Cruelty him. begets cruelty. Yeah. That, that's a good lesson. And then like Unico kind of undoes him by telling him that he feels sorry for him and he wishes he had friends and he wishes he was loved. <laughs> and you're like, what? So what? he wins through stabbing and empathy. Yeah. First stabbing, then empathy, <laughs> which I is also my personal motto. Sometimes that's Stab the, first, the best order. Yeah. later. Did... Uh, do you think that your current relationship with Unico is affected by the fact that you kind of had a mini unicorn experience where you were forced to move away from the beauty of Unico and it was a lost thing that was just only in that one mythical blockbuster at the end of the world? Yeah, I think, I feel like part of the reason, it took me so long to like really think about and remember that Unico was a thing. Um because it's just so cracked out that it's hard to put it together in your head and be like, <laughs> but how could that actually exist? Why would that have existed? Yeah. But again, a big thing was the audio of it. Like, it's one of the worst dubs in the history of the universe. The voice acting is absolutely horrendous. Okay. I There are a couple people who are like really trying, like really giving it their all. And to mixed results but like it's charming you yeah. know it's like an old kid's dub so like, like weird still... bad enough to be good yeah and interesting yeah where you're like oh my god why did you make this choice <laughs> who told you to do this why was the director like sounds good to me like what yeah. happened in there what happened in there i want an oral history of the recording of the unico dub um but it was so specific that at a certain point i was like nah i didn't hallucinate that specifically like that's got to be a thing um but definitely, it has that same, and this is a very anime thing. You know, obviously, I was watching Unico when I was like three. Okay. So way before I knew what anime was or experienced yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it has that very Japanese filmmaking sentiment of like nostalgia is very powerful. And it's in like the music and the illustration and the way that they use space and like the distance between the characters and the viewer in a lot of yeah. things. Is very sophisticated in terms of filmmaking, even yeah. though it's a fucking Sanrio movie from 1982. <laughs> um, and again, just like hammered home types of feelings that you just didn't really see in, they weren't there in American cartoons. Yeah. Like you don't get that from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You don't get that from Street <laughs> Sharks. Like it's not there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like those two movies, the fact that I watched them so much as a very small child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they like really stayed with me for a long time. Um, I don't know. Like today. That cemented your interest. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. unicorns are just like cool and interesting. Um, but I have like some very weird deep seated emotional connections to them because of how much I internalized and related to those specific stories. Yeah. More the last unicorn than Unico. Unico is just like real trippy and scary. Yeah. Mostly. But, um, but they both seem to have this very big, you know, Beauty and power is great, but with it will come some yeah, loss. Yeah, there's a or lot of e stuff. Or even no matter how powerful you are, you can't there's stop cruelty. You can't. Yeah, that a great yeah. idea of the old magic's going to disappear. So so will you. Bye. Wah, wah. Um, have you ever made like a different life choice because of unicorns? Have you ever been like, what would a unicorn do in this situation? <laughs> or made a life choice to be 
uh, closer to unicorns in some way? Um, I'm going to be real honest with you. No. <laughs> okay. No, no. I mean, there was probably a period as a team where I was like, mm, I'm not going to lose my V card because if unicorns are real, I want to keep that in my back pocket and like <laughs> have that option to pet a unicorn be available to me. But in a, in like a, a seriously legitimate way, not really. I Like, um... Going to certain places, like being drawn to certain places, yeah. like the Cloisters in New York is my favorite museum in the world just because. Because you know unicorns are there. First off, yeah. Second <laughs> off, just like the whole setting is so magical. The fact that it's this beautiful, <laughs> you know, like 11th century monk cloister on a hill overlooking the Palisades. Like yeah. It's ridiculous that it's there and it's awesome. And they have done such an amazing job recreating that space that walking those halls and looking at those tapestries, which most people would be familiar with them as like, they're the ones that are the inside of a, you know, the Harry Potter, the Gryffindor common room. Yeah. Like those are all draped in the unicorn tapestries. Um, like that place always felt extra special to me. Okay. And it's probably because I fucking love unicorns so much. And then like <laughs> the close, honestly, the closest you can get to a real medieval magical unicorn is in those tapestries. Okay. And just being in to that me. space and yeah. in that presence and seeing them in their kind of original form. Yeah. Or at least from that strain yeah, of, yeah. of our world culture. Um, what at this point for you is your uh, kind of wish fulfillment for a unicorn? So like for simpler media, like not simpler media, but like, you know, if you love Star Wars, you want to reach out and push something with your hand or call it to you. Know, like right, that, right. That, that's the kind of relationship you want or you want to fly the Millennium Falcon. For unicorns, what is it you want if a fantasy <laughs> was fulfilled? Is it that you want to go to a beautiful woods and a unicorn approaches you? Do you, you want, want to be to able to transform to into a unicorn? What do you want? Honestly, I think the most fulfilling version of like a real life unicorn experience that you could possibly have would be being someplace old being someplace quiet being someplace removed and getting that feeling that like sometimes you just get in like a place where you're like oh something's like weird or something's off or something's different here and like looking over and just seeing one yeah like just fucking seeing one standing 20 feet away from yeah. you looking back at you and then it walking away would you but want to like, be able to like nod at it though to so like it knows that you saw it no i'm like eye contact i would like eye contact. I, I would like unicorn eye contact <laughs> i would like i would like a moment of like recognition that it's like oh you know what i am because you you believe or whatever like yeah. you have whatever special innateness is required to look at me and actually see me and like it's chill and walk away yeah well i would just stand there frozen in that, yeah, that's great because then that that doesn't disrupt the unicorn. No. What the unicorn's up Don't to that day, that. Uh, but it does also make you feel special. Yeah, you have like a moment of connection with something that that old and that powerful yeah. and that secret and special, and then you just get to have that forever. Would you want to understand why? Would you want to like know it's because you've spent so much time with unicorns, or would you want it to be a mystery of you don't know why you are the one who gets to see the unicorn? Yeah, I don't think I need like a concrete answer on that. Okay. Because I can kind of infer from yeah. the fact that, you know, also you don't want to be that person. You don't want the unicorn to go back to like the fae circle or whatever and be like, ugh, this girl's like so obsessed with me. Like you don't want the unicorn rolling its eyes at you. You behind want your a back. super chill. You want yes. like a great uh, like, mm. how you should interact with celebrities at the grocery store. Yes. Like I see you. I know you're Mark Ruffalo. 
And Enjoy buying your cheese, you and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Although I feel like, of all people, Mark Ruffalo would be like, hey, do you want some cheese? Like, but <laughs> but yes, essentially. Fair enough. I'm not calling Mark Ruffalo a unicorn, but if you want to. <laughs> uh, if you could update the unicorn myth kind of for today, or you got an opportunity to, to, to be a part of a big unicorn story, what would you want to add to the myth for yourself? Ooh, that's a cool question. And kind of a hard one to, because like as somebody who isn't religious at all, yeah, um, like my my biggest thing would actually be wanting to take away like the purity <laughs> aspect. Be like, fuck okay. that, that's garbage. Who needs that? It's stupid. Yeah. Um, because I think unicorns are much more interesting conceptually as uh, being like wild creatures, yeah, with sentience and sapience, but like wild and apart yeah um and i think using them as a stand-in for religious figures or as a stand-in for the concept of purity or virginity is really boring because you're imposing human shit on like this really cool wild thing yeah don't do that we don't need it don't do it okay i would like just separate those things permanently but i wouldn't necessarily need to do that i think we're sort of past that point yeah with them culturally anyway they're much more just magical and rare yeah uh, but you wouldn't, so you would want to do something that's like the unpure unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man. No, I like, there've been so many rumors for so long of a last unicorn live action film happening. Ooh. Oh, oh, you like, it's on Netflix. Just fucking watch the movie <laughs> when I leave. Just watch it now. Let, let's do a fucking live pod. I will get on it. Christopher Lee plays King Haggard, the like evil king that's okay. trying to like collect the unicorn. Does he do Scandinavian heavy metal? Cause then um, I'm for sure in immediately. Like, no, but you can tell from his vibe that like that he, he would, would do that for sure. Uh, and like King Lear's thing is nothing makes him happy. He's just a miserable fuck, and he knows it, and he doesn't care. Um, but the one thing in his life that ever made him feel like deep, piercing joy was seeing a unicorn, and he became completely obsessed. And he conjured up the Red Bull, this huge nightmare creature, to go out and collect them for him. And because unicorns can't die, they just live in the fucking ocean outside his house. Outside Christopher Lee's house? Yeah, they just live in the sea. Okay. So every time, like, big waves come or crest or, like, the tide pulls out, he can see them glinting in the sunlight. And nobody else can see that they're there because nobody else can see magic anymore. So, like... It's real weird. It's this real weird possessive stuff that, again, at four, I was like, he's mean. And now I'm like, jeez. He's real mean. Yeah. Like, what broke in you and All right. when? I am going to see but that. he's so good. And he's been fighting. He was, rest his soul, fighting for that movie. And he was like, I don't care. I don't care who makes it. I don't care who's attached to it. I don't care if it's a movie or a TV show or a fucking radio special. I will play King Haggard <laughs> again because I love that crazy son of a bitch. And I was like, Christopher Lee. Yes. That's awesome. And then he passed away, which runs me out. <laughs> Obviously. Well. Bummed everybody out. Yeah. He was a Nazi hunter. Like, yeah. Christopher Lee is we miss you, absolutely amazing. Lee. We yes. wish we had you back. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Uh, these are questions I ask everybody or your variations of them on all the episodes. Do you think about unicorns every day? Like, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> um, in my defense, mostly because I have uh, a picture of one hanging up in my room. So yeah. I'll so look it's at right it a there. lot and I'm like, ah. It's just always a moment of like, oh, it's beautiful. I love you. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I have a lot of the last unicorn songs just like in my fucking shuffle mixes. Okay. Like that comes up a lot, and that oh, also my <laughs> Gmail password 
is a phrase from the book. Okay. So every time I log into something, I'm like, yay, last unicorn, yay. <laughs> yay, last unicorn, yay is not the password. Not the password, but, good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so is it something that you've, you've, you're happy that you've made this choice that just going through your normal day-to-day life, it's hard not to think about unicorns because yes. they're right there. Yeah, because they're fucking awesome. <laughs> they're great. I get, like, I always have a moment of eye roll every time someone's like, it's a new unicorn, whatever. It's a unicorn face mask. It's a unicorn Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or I also get really bummed because someone will be like, oh, it's a new unicorn thing from this brand you like. And I'm like, fucking yeah. And then I go and I'm like, ah, oh, it's shimmery pastels. Okay. I'm not a, I'm not you a just, shimmery pastels guy, girl. I understand uh, um, not liking it. Is it from a perspective of not liking shimmery pastel in general or feeling like that's not what unicorns are? Um, It's a little bit of both. One, it's just not my style. Yeah. So, and on the, basically, if... So, like, mermaids, I'm not really into mermaids. Yeah. They're cool. Like, mermaids are fucking weird and really cool. <laughs> I like mermaids a lot. But I'm not, like, a mermaid kid. Yeah. And I'm certainly not a millennial mermaid meme type person. <laughs> I, I was just sort of like, oh, that's neat. Um, but uh, I'm not a mermaid. It's fine. Okay. Um, so, and that's a lot of the same thing. The colors tend to be bolder, but it's, like, this, like, shimmery, cool mythology thing that doesn't appeal to me at all yeah. because the parts of the the mythology that I think are cool are kind of like the weird <laughs> medieval slightly more dungeony looking aspects yeah. <laughs> like you know these tapestries are absolutely gorgeous the skill it took to make them is insane but they're dark deep reds they're very rich color palettes they're and they're also like scenes telling a story that is not a happy story yeah so like for me that's the hook into unicorns like that's what always kind of fascinated me and like looking at those tapestries growing up with something like the last unicorn which all of the like merch for the last unicorn leans into the like She's a little purple and pink and blue and it's pretty. But that's only because the cell shading was done by Proto Studio Ghibli, by the way. So like the same people that did um, the weird, creepy animated Hobbit. Yeah. It's really good. But like Nightmare City when Smeagol shows up. Yeah. Holy shit. That same team did The Last Unicorn. Okay. So like the character designs and the animation is very, very beautiful, but it's very 80s and it's Japanese. So the techniques are just different. Yeah. And the color schemes are beautiful, but most of them are the result of the new remasters. Gorgeous, but a lot of them are the result of like it's a thirty-year-old hand-painted <laughs> cell okay. animated movie. So it wasn't meant to be that. Yeah, necessarily. That shiny and cute. Um. So like, like I don't think I own a single piece of Last Unicorn merchandise that isn't. I bought this one beautiful pen pin off of Etsy, um, and I have the book and I have the movie, but like I don't have posters. I don't have pillow covers or like t-shirts okay because the style of those things leans into Do. the current unicorn fad and not the actual medieval inspiration for the design yeah. of that movie i think that probably answers my next question cool. uh so i know you have the the tapestry in your bedroom but i was yeah. gonna ask when people walk into your main living area can they tell you like unicorns no because of the the merch curse no where everything is shiny and sparkly i have always and i don't know why i don't know where this comes from but i have always always been very like reticent in what of my shit i'll put up on display in the in the main yeah um i mean really all around like i don't i have art on the walls some of it's geeky but even the geekiest stuff is like 
kind of under the radar. Okay. I have this beautiful print from Kevin Wada that he put out years and years ago, and it's like all of the Sailor Senshi, but reimagined as like actual fucking samurais. Okay. And it's so badass and cool. No one walking in glances at that and is like, Sailor Moon! Like you have to walk (laughs) up and be like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. Wait, wait a minute. Like it always sort of sneaks up. Yeah. Um, The unicorn thing is cool because, (laughs) I mean, the unicorn thing is cool, but additionally because... My interest in it stems from those sort of more historical aesthetics that, like, I can have a tapestry on my wall and it's not like, oh, this bitch loves unicorns. It's like, oh, what a cool medieval tapestry. tapestry." Yeah. Yeah. When I was little, I had had a lot of unicorns. Yeah, you had your rubber unicorn. Oh, yeah. Too dangerous to sleep. I had the big one and then the same exact thing but smaller. Don't know why. Um, I have a lot of pewter unicorns, okay. like little pewter, pewter unicorn figurines with the little like shimmery magic balls yeah. tucked under their legs and stuff. Um, I had just a shit ton of unicorn books. Michael Haig is a an illustrator who worked in the 70s and 80s, I think mostly. And he was like the unicorn guy. And I had fucking everything that he put his hands on. I had a copy of because okay. my parents were like, this will keep you occupied forever um because they're just beautiful and he his illustrations have that same kind of quality they're a little more like um you know pre-raphaelite a little more flowy and lyrical yeah. than like the old old stuff but they still tend to portray unicorns as being like a wild creature that is a little bit apart and just sort of different and interesting. So you only want merch that portrays them like that? Or is it that you're you're not wanting to be overly expressive in your home with your interests would make you say, like, I don't want that? No, I think it's the first one. Because, like, there's just, like, some real cool unicorn shit that, like, matches my aesthetic. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll put that up. <laughs> You'll cover your home in it. Though. Yeah. Like, okay. We have one wall in my kitchen that is like a gallery wall of a bunch of like five by seven frames. And they're all of uh, Mina Lima's postcards for the textiles they did for Harry Potter. Okay. So it's all of the like Harry Potter textbooks framed. And yeah. they're just such beautiful works of art that unless you really know your Harry Potter, you don't immediately go, wow, a wall of Harry Potter stuff. You're just like, <laughs> oh, what pretty pictures. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's my jam. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, if you were at a dinner with friends uh, and someone just started saying mean shit about unicorns, how would you handle it? Well, <laughs> I mean, first I would, I, I would make them explain fully why they, why. So you would try empathy before stabbing. No, uh, empathy is a bit, it would be more like demanding. It would be like, okay, well, so what's the problem exactly? Okay, okay. well, why do you think that? Okay, well, where does that opinion come from? Okay, well, but did you know this thing instead? And yeah. then I would just try it. I would try to do what I usually do, which would be point by point, um, tactically tear their argument apart and okay. show them that they're wrong for their subjective <laughs> And opinion. you would engage, right? Because some people ask this question too are just like, hey, whatever people like, they like. I If somebody else doesn't like a thing I like, it doesn't matter. I mean, that depends. Like, for some things, I'd be like, whatever. Like, if somebody was like, Star Wars sucks, I'd be like, all right. Like, whatever. Yeah. Think what you're going to think. Whatever your reasoning is for that, yeah. I honestly... I just don't care that much. <laughs> like, fine. Star Wars sucks. Good for you. Like, yeah. I think Star Wars is pretty cool, but... But Whatever. for you, unicorns is, a, is you well, would engage because you feel like, like there's ignorance out there? Yeah. Well, that's because I'd be 100% sure I'd be like, which unicorns <laughs> exactly? Yeah. The like, medieval tapestries? Is yeah, that what we're talking like, about? Explain yeah. yourself. Like, why? Why would you? Why? Why would you not like them? <laughs> why would you not like unicorns? Um, 
Because that's, I would be very interested in, like, where did that come from? Yeah. Just, like, I love them for reasons that I understand. And, like, I don't feel at all connected to, like, unicorn culture. Okay. So, you know, if somebody was like, oh, so you must fucking love unicorn nail polish from this company. I'd be like, no, (laughs) that's not really my thing. That's sort of, like, the older, weirder unicorns. Yeah. Back when unicorns were cool. Uh yeah, so, but okay. no, I would definitely be like, I would like an explanation. For you that. would engage. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I understand what you're saying about not being down with current unicorn culture of like, great, they pooped in Starbucks, whatever. Um, uh, in a Starbucks drink, mm-hmm. I should say. Anyway, um, would and to you clarify though, if other people are excited about that, fine. Like, yeah, it's just not for you. That's no. fine. And it just bums me out because I'm like, I want fun unicorn things too, <laughs> but. Uh, uh. So if you. Would you ever cosplay as a unicorn if you could do it in the kind of unicorn style you like? That would be weird. Because that's being a unicorn, and I already asked you about this. You you don't want to be a unicorn. You want no. to be. A, yeah. You want to unicorn show unicorns adjacent. that you you are cool with them, and they are cool with you. Yeah, like so. If somebody, if there was a themed party, and somebody was like, "The role you have to inhabit is a unicorn, dress okay. appropriately," I'd be like, "What?" Um, I mean, my the first thing my brain goes to would be like deconstructing. Uh, one of the tapestries and turning that into like a dress that tells a story. Okay. So you're sort of like wrapped in the mythology of yeah. the unicorn. Dressing up, if someone like dressed up as a unicorn, I'd be like, uh... Do you feel like that is somebody saying I am rare and beautiful? Like, is it, is it? I mean, a little bit, maybe. I think there's a certain amount of, the word unicorn now gets used in that very specific way where it's yeah, like, I mean, it's a they're slang. a unicorn, which means, Nobody else is like them. That's such a rare type of person to be. And it's like a slang term used in, I think, lots of different communities for yeah, yeah. a hard-to-find person. Well, I yeah. mean, like, I used to get called a unicorn <clears throat> for being a girl who played video games. Okay, wow. Which, I mean, yeah. <laughs> not to date myself, yeah. but, um, you know, or being a girl who read comic books or being a girl who, whatever. Like, yeah. guys would say the actual words like, wow, you're a unicorn. I'd be like, nope. Nope, nope, No, I'm just a human human person. A lot of people like us. Human person play video games. Yeah. Um, But, uh, and I'm, you know, maybe some people who like really love unicorns and uh, like to dress up as unicorns, either just like, if you're at a festival, you want to get like a fun horn and a flower crown and like, be your best unicorn self or if you're a furry and you're like this is my deepest persona is a unicorn yeah like whatever it's because that's just not how i key into and associate with the idea of a unicorn as a character yeah that makes sense yeah yeah so but again it's kind of things like all right do you you know (laughs) whatever your connection is to the thing cool great rock that connection yeah mine's just a much more you know it's seeing each other across the glen and like having a moment of eye contact and nodding okay that makes a lot of sense my appreciation and affinity for unicorns without appropriating the unicorn <laughs> onto myself okay that uh that makes me more interested in the next question <laughs> uh uh if or when uh, you got married would you want unicorns to be part of the aesthetic of the wedding well now that you mention it <laughs> that could be really cool, actually. <laughs> Are you lost in thought about yeah, uh, how I'm it like, would be incorporated into yeah, a ceremony? Yeah, that'd be friggin', that'd be really great. Because, okay, first off, fun fact, you can get married at the Cloisters. Um, so you can get married, like, in front of the unicorn tattoos. Okay, that'd be great, to. yeah. Be fucking baller. Um, or you can, you could do a sort of, 
<laughs> depending on how hard into a theme you wanted to d- go, you could do like a vaguely medieval royal, vaguely oh, Game yeah. of Thrones, which then you could incorporate those visually. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I don't, I don't fantasize about weddings a lot, but if I was gonna, <laughs> now that'll be a part of it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, if when you died, you had multiple things listed on your tombstone, would you want one of them to be, I am a fan of unicorns, or I was a fan of unicorns? Uh, huh, epitaph. That's another thing I've never really thought about. Ooh, Joe, you're just being... <laughs> Walking you these, through your life. Yeah. The possibilities. Future plans I haven't made. Um, I mean, maybe it was phrased correctly. If it was at yeah. the end of like a an interesting and fun enough... Passage. You strike me as a person who want, would be happy with a fun epitaph. Yeah. That you wouldn't be overly, like, no. it must be serene. Like, you would have fun no. with it, right? Whatever. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see that being incorporated. Why not? Because unicorns are great. Um, but I guess uh, part of the question is definitely being silly, but part of it is, like, do you feel like they are that big of a part of your identity? I feel like, yes, in the sense that the specific images of them that like matter to me um, or the text of the last unicorn. Yeah. Those things definitely, definitely could be incorporated. If I had fucking like two unicorns rampart on rampant unicorns yeah. on either side of my headstone, like, yeah. I'd be down with that. That'd be Okay. Cool. That'd be awesome. Instead of like angels, right? Yeah. Just, like roar- raised up unicorns, like touching their horns. That'd be great. <laughs> um, that'd be really cool. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm excited to see your tombstone, but that graphic is yeah. great. I'm I mean, very God excited willing, to see I'll that. I'll you. So. But if I design <laughs> Odds it, I'll good. show it to you first. Okay. Thank you. One uh, thing on is my like, deathbed, please. I fucking be like, Joe, this, this is what it's going to look like. Um, so I don't have any tattoos, but, uh, I've always been like, but maybe I'll get one. So I do this thing where I like design custom temporary tattoos and then I put them on and I like try it out for a week. Okay. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Could I? Uh, And there are two that if I was going to get them, I would get these. And one is um, an Athenian coin with a certain inscription around the outside of it because that little owl just rocks my world. Um, And which I wanted to get, by the way, before owls were like, a thing again because they were in the 70s and then they weren't for a long time and then starting in the early aughts all of a sudden or late aughts it was like owls and it's like fuck now I can't do that um but the other is definitely would definitely be a unicorn okay but like oh cool what has stopped you uh from taking the plunge into tattoo land commitment phobia I'm <laughs> okay yeah, yeah I understand straight that straight up yeah, no, I understand. Mm-hmm. I had to, I've had a couple different uh, birthdays where I'm like, yes, in this year I'm going to get a tattoo, and then I just get so busy. I'm like, mm, yeah, is I'm that like, the oh, only reason? They're mm. so expensive, and <laughs> honestly, so I haven't had this nightmare in a long time. But one of the reasons I've never gotten a tattoo is because I used to have a recurring nightmare where I would get a really elaborate stained glass window tattoo Ooh. on the outside of my arm, and then it would start to like run and like smudge like crayon and like turn horrible, and I couldn't get it off because it's like stuck to you forever. So uh, that is a horrible nightmare. But there's just after we've been talking about unicorns and beautiful things have to go away. It's anxiety. Yeah. Hurrah. <laughs> uh, here's our final. How obsessed are you question? If you were at like that wooded area that we talked about and somebody told you that inside there, there is a unicorn. You were headed that way, but then there was a bear blocking your path. Would you try to get around the bear in order to see the unicorn? Yeah. 
<laughs> like, you'd have to, though, right? Oh, well, that's the question to you. Well, what if it's a test? Like, yeah, you've got to see the fucking uniform. It does sound like a test. Right? Uh, it's different, you know, when somebody has an interest uh, other than, you know, a magical creature. Because a bear can, you know, block lots of doors. That's yeah. less magical. But yeah, a bear in the yeah. woods does sound like a like test. A bear in a glade with a unicorn on the other side of it seems like a very... <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I get it. I get it. I'm in the story now. And also, like... How suspiciously magical was the person who told me the unicorn was there? Like, not even remotely. Just like the least magical person you can imagine is telling oh. you this. Mm. Just like a lawyer. Because then I'd be like, oh, well, what if you just want me to get eaten by this bear? <laughs> but I would probably still like leave and just go way around and just try to come at it from the other side. What if you couldn't? What if you had to make a. Uh, a dash past the bear, like right past the bear. Like is there the was a little awake? portal. Yeah, the bear is awake. How big is the bear? Quite large. The point of this question is <laughs> if you would be willing to take that risk. I think so, yeah. To run past the bear. I think I'd have to. I'm not asking you to fight the bear, just the dash. Cool. Yeah, I could do a dash. Okay. <laughs> but you would be motivated enough by the Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a good answer. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What kind of noise do you have for your love of unicorns? Um, I guess like a, like a sort of, like, um, uh, because it's just like so much longing and whist and nostalgia. Yeah. So it's like a quiet exhale of wistful, nostalgic longing. Yeah. But it did sound like there was some happiness in, in your noise. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the wistful part. The wistful part. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, well captured. Yeah. Unicorns, but also, oh, unicorns. Yay, unicorns. <laughs> oh. uh, I have everyone rate their own obsession. So a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest, where would you rate yourself on being obsessed with unicorns? I would probably give myself an 8. Okay. Because foundationally, like unicorns and unicorn mythology is so much a part of the jam. Yeah. But I don't have like a compulsion to buy unicorn stuff. I right. don't have like a need to surround myself with like an excessive amount of unicorn stuff. I don't spend a bunch of my money on unicorn stuff. Yeah. I just like love and quietly obsess over unicorn <laughs> things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. probably put it at like an eight. I would agree with that ranking. Good. Sometimes I don't agree with people's rankings, uh, but that one I definitely agree with. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, we are now to the plugging section of the Sweet. podcast. So what do you want to uh, plug? Okay. Uh, so one thing is, uh, so I wrote a book with my friend Sarah under a nom de plume because we weren't, we were sticking our toes in the water. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's called In From the Cold. It's uh, the the author name is J.T. Rogers, which didn't know at the time is also a playwright. Uh, <laughs> sorry, J.T. Uh, and it is the story of, I mean, the elevator pitches. It's like James Bond meets the Dirty Dozen or if Captain America the Winter Soldier took place in 1958 and was like a lot gayer. Okay. So it's basically an LGBT thriller romance novel. Um, where men are sexy and wear hats and shoot people <laughs> and do spy stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of unrequited love and like reunited people. And it's just like, it's pretty good. I'm pretty proud of it. Cool. And that's just Amazon, Google, yeah, and people Amazon, find it? Yeah, Amazon. It's on um, uh, Dream Spinner is the DSP Publications is the publisher. Okay. Uh, so you can get it on their website and they have it as an ebook and you can get it on the Amazon and you can get it from Barnes and Noble. Awesome. Which is always fun. Somebody who works at a Barnes and Noble who really liked it, like, put it on one of their displays yeah. and like took a picture of it and we lost our minds because we were like, it's in a physical store. <laughs> ah! uh, so that was cool. And then 
Um, oh, uh, I guess <laughs> hire me for your <laughs> shit. Uh, you know, I've been... Indian all shit. Yeah, I've yeah. been freelancing for the last year and it's been great. Um, and I do all kinds of writings. I do op-eds and editorials and research pieces and I do brand uh, management and tweeting yeah, and, uh, so you're interested in all those things. You're interested in doing more brand management. You're interested in writing of all kinds. Yeah, right. Yeah. Voiceover still, right? Especially for money. Oh yeah, uh, I've got some stuff going on with the voiceover. Maybe Ooh. fingers crossed. So maybe nice. I don't know. There could be some cool things happening there. And um, yeah, my my like level ten obsession, video games. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I'll have some stuff to announce there i'm working on fallout cascadia which oh, is like cool. this massive mod it's a game replacing mod for fallout 4 okay that has created an entirely new world in the pacific northwest and it's unbelievable yeah like, that sounds great the shit that this team has created is unreal and i <laughs> have been tasked with uh writing a bunch of stuff for the Renfair colony, which is a group of people who came out of their vault and live at an old abandoned Ren- Renaissance festival. And like, I couldn't be happier. Oh, that's awesome. Couldn't be happier. And where can people find you on social media if you want to be found? Oh, sure. So on the Twitters, uh, I'm Erudite Chick. Uh, same on Instagram. And that's pretty much all I do because I'm, I'm an old. I'm over the age of 27, so I don't do like WhatsApp and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just mostly am on Twitter talking about like dogs or video games or screaming into the void, but mostly dogs and video games. <laughs> and some fun screaming into the void yeah. too. Very cathartic. Gotta let it out. <laughs> Here's some quick plugs for this show and then we'll do our final, final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are just fun final questions. Woo-hoo. If you could shoot one of these two things out of your hands, which would you choose? Acid or jazz music? Ooh. Ooh. I'm trying to think about how you weaponize <laughs> jazz music. I feel like these are supposed to be rapid responses. No, I you mean, can take your time. Okay. But it's always a conscious decision. Yeah, they don't randomly they don't shoot like up. That's terrible. That would be horrific. I'm going to go, I don't know, acid. I got to go with acid just because it's more practical. Okay. Yeah, because how would you, yeah, uses. jazz music would just be like you're in the car, but you have a stereo for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> how would you use acid? Just as uh, defense? Um, defense is good. Uh, I get locked out of things a lot. <laughs> so that could probably come in handy. That's great. Well, there you go. Uh, old acid hands Amanda <laughs> is ready to go. That's the call me. If you could clone yourself, would you? Okay. There are a lot of follow-up questions to this. So like, yeah. how responsible am I for this clone? Do I get to make tweaks? Or does it come out like fully formed an exact copy of me as I am right I now? I like the exact copy of you as you are now. Okay. Does do, does it have like a fully functioning brain that shares all of my memories and experiences? Yes. Okay. These are all good questions. It's just a sudden copy of you that you have the power to create. I don't think so. Because like, here's the thing. If I could like dupe myself into doing the shit that I don't want to do. Actually, hmm, no, I mean, <laughs> you know what? So, okay. You suddenly thing, talked yourself into it yeah, out loud. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually think... Cause Something we said way back at the beginning that we were joking about is like me being a jack of all trades. Yeah. One of the biggest hindrances I've had in my adult life after being like a gifted kid and a gifted teenager and like head of my classes of various types at NYU and doing this and that 
is like never being able to just like focus on one thing yeah. and dedicate all my time and energy to getting better at that one thing because there are so many things that I've become involved in and have to do and want to be better at. And yeah. then that becomes overwhelming. So actually, yes, because we could just be like, well, you do this thing that I know you like. Yeah. And I'll do this other thing that I know we like. <laughs> and then like, we'll get really good at those and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. So yes, actually, I changed my answer. Okay. The answer is yes. Go okay. On. I think that's a really good answer and probably what I would answer as well for uh, similar reasons of being interested in too many different things. How would you feel if your clone who agreed to do voiceover while you did writing mm-hmm just had a hard time focusing. It was just like, I'm just doing a little writing on the side. Would you be like, come on, voice over me. We decided. Yeah, we'd have to have like a chat. We'd have to sit down and be like, listen, we have the same brain. So like, if you want to swap, that's fine. But you have to commit to this. Yeah. Like, you have to commit to one of the things. If you want to do the other thing, that's okay. But like, I mean, we can put it on a timer. Yeah. You know, like, listen, two years, you focus on this thing full time, hardcore. Oh, yeah. I'll do the other thing. And you can we'll swap if you want. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah. You always already have like a great relationship with yeah. your clone. I feel like we can. I'm <laughs> I'm pretty easy to get along with generally. Yeah. And like, we can talk things through. Yeah. I think that'd work out. That'd be okay. All right. The final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Man, fuck you. <laughs> what, what the fuck? What? Unicorns. What the fuck do you Unicorns. Shut up. Um, I have no idea. I have no concept. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, imagine that happiness is the, uh, absence of anxiety, just like the constant thinking about things and picking things apart. Uh, yeah. Literally everything all the time. Cause that's exhausting and also doesn't give you a lot of space to be like, this is fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think happiness is, um. I think happiness is the result of you getting all your coping mechanisms in order. Okay. So that you can like order your mind into a place where you can actually sit back and view things like a bigger picture and enjoy shit. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. When are the moments for you uh, when you are happiest, when you do feel like the most like you've you've coped with anxiety and you can just be in the moment? Um, Well, one of the things that I love about performing so much is, or even just participating in a performance of some kind is once you have like entered the space, figured out, you know, like the story and the cadence and the environment, and then you're sort of in it and having a pure emotional reaction for which there are potentially like not necessarily any consequences, like having the freedom to go in and like do that and connect with somebody and become someone or experience or express something in a way that's kind of like pure. Yeah. Like that's super happy. That's why I'm an immersive theater junkie. It's like you get to go and do that. And, and you're immersed. You are yeah, there. And you're that's, there. And, and you have to be fully engaged. Full experience. And it's amazing. And then you can leave and go back to your life and go back to doing stuff. And you'll still have had that like moment of like, ah, I got to experience this. I got to breathe that out or breathe that in. I got to be that person. Yeah. Um, or be in that world and like that kind of stuff I definitely love and I think is a uh, it's a happy place yeah I think that's a great answer thank you so much for doing the podcast thank you so much for asking me and now I'm going to send you another list and come back and we're going to talk about a lot of other things oh you have lots of great obsessions that I'm excited to talk about so we will have you back well thank you very much Mr. Scrimshaw absolutely that is our podcast You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed.
There are wild elephants in the country and numerous unicorns, which are very nearly as big. They have hair like that of a buffalo, feet like those of an elephant, and a horn in the middle of their forehead, which is black and very thick. They do no mischief, however, with the horn, but with the tongue alone, for this is covered all over with long and strong prickles. And when savage with anyone, they crush him under their knees and then rasp him with their tongue. This is Marco Polo's journal entry about unicorns. The head resembles that of a wild boar, and they carry it ever bent towards the ground. They delight much to abide in mire and mud. And this is where you're like, you can tell that he's just so fucking let down by it. <laughs> Tis a passing ugly beast to look upon, and is not in the least like that which our stories tell of as being caught in the lap of a virgin. In fact, tis altogether different from what we fancied. 